Oh shit. Here we go again. What's up, ballers? We're back in the booth, all three of us. COVID-19, day, I don't know, 15, 16 of isolation. I'm losing track. Beautiful day here in Houston, though. The skies are blue, no wind outside, and I'm not playing golf. So disappointing day, but all three of us back in the booth. Shout out to my my son, my four-legged son, Max. It's his fifth birthday today, my dog. So Oh, happy birthday to the guy. Yep, happy birthday to him. Uh, Vinny got him a nice little chew bone that is still laying on my carpet floor, but... I will be taken care of here in the in the next hour or so, I'm sure. Let's uh, introduce my two other co-hosts. First, we have Mr. 6.6 Handicap himself, the fish tank king, Vincent Scaliti, <laughs> in the booth. What's going What's on, up, guys? Dude? Not much. Not much. Love trying, it. Trying Love to it. keep myself busy. Uh, work's getting slow. Well, it seems like it. you're keeping your golf game busy because your handicap is in the sixes for the first time ever. It's true. Just plummeting. It has it's dropped a simulator. two strokes in three weeks. It's, Whoa. It's pretty strong. And then our third man in the booth, the man who must remain 50 feet away from his neighbor who has the coronavirus, Jake's confirmed. Yeah, what's, what's up, up everybody? How's it going? So do you have to like, you're hitting balls in the backyard. Do you have like a mask on when you're playing or what, what's the deal there? No, you know, I got the, I got the lab set up in the backyard. Got all the, got all the alignment rods, camera system, got everything but the simulator. You know what I mean? And, uh, if my neighbor walks through those, through those bushes in my backyard, I'm just going to, you know, turn about 20 <laughs> degrees to the left, just rip that four iron right at him. If I have to, <laughs> at least you have the necessary precautions set up. I love it. That's it. Well, guys, uh, happy to have all three of us in the booth. Jake, great job last week on the pod. Uh, I appreciate it. And we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. But first, uh, I guess a little bit of an exciting news and the light at the end of the tunnel. We've heard today through some internal sources at the PGA Tour that they are still eyeing a return at the end of May, the 21st, for the Charles Schwab Challenge, which is at Colonial in Fort Worth a tournament that I actually went to a couple years ago because one of the guys on our Gentleman's Cup, Jay, or, uh, Jamie, lives right around the corner. So I've been able to see that uh, firsthand. I guess initial thoughts, boys, do we think that that's actually going to happen? Uh, you know, Trump put out another 30-day extension to stay home at the end of April. Uh, all the other sports have been pretty silent on what's happening. I actually saw that a few of the college football athletic directors think that there's going to be a shortened football season next year or if there is going to be one at all you know i know we've th- we've talked about it a little bit on the pod that golf is probably the first sport that can come back just because of the way it's set up and and social distancing is, is pretty much already always there but uh jake what do you think you think they're going to be back at the end of may i don't think so i look this it's a kind of a tough thing because like we did say and i still kind of believe that golf can be the first one back um the other problem is sort of like what are the fields going to look like how's the tournament going to be covered because you got to protect all those people right so if the field size is the same or even potentially larger to allow some people to potentially make a start make some money um combined with you know whatever it takes to cover the tournament even if there's no fans that's still a ton of people realistically so i think it's a little bit um of a pipe dream right now. I mean, like I just saw like the city of Toronto canceled all kinds of stuff. So that puts a lot of things uh, up North, including the Canadian open and hockey season and uh, basketball, all of that is kind of up in the air. Mm -hmm. I just, I just don't know, but I think that the PGA tour really has to watch what they do because they were also kind of the last ones to pull the plug in some ways too. I mean, they had the Thursday round of the players. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess we're going to have to see, um, I could, I would love some sports. I'm getting tired of rewatches, um, but yeah, I don't know. Vinny, what do you think? It's going to be interesting. I think that tournament specifically uh, has a chance to fail. Um, you know, to, for them to miss their date. Uh, right. Just considering Texas, uh, Dallas is the only city in Texas that's fully shut down currently, right? right. 
uh, you know, they're the only people on like strict stay at home. I mean, we are technically, but the other businesses are open. Dallas has shut down everything. So, you know, if, if, if businesses have to be open to support events in the area too, right? They can't just be like, we're going to play, but nothing is open. Yeah. So. One other quick thing I saw actually, and I, you made me think of it when you talked about Dallas being completely shut right now. I saw a thing that like the virus surge in Texas is still like a month away at least. Mm -hmm. So like right now in the Northeast, for those of you that are living in like the New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Delaware, all the, I mean, we are like, I can't go play golf anywhere. It's completely locked down. Everything's sort of shut except right. for essential businesses. And I don't think that's really happened to that level in a lot of other places in the U S just yet, besides like San Fran and stuff. But I think it's coming. So to be sort of gauging a tournament in Texas when all the experts are saying, like, well, Texas hasn't really had their peak yet, um, it's probably not the best look. But, again, you, Vince is right. I mean, it's it's tough to have that many people hold that tournament without any infrastructure at all. So yeah. It'll just be a bad look if they'd be like, all right, we're going to have this one. And then the week after that, be like, all right, we're going to have to stop again for another four weeks. Right. Like, Agreed. Like, what? What? why are we doing this just to – Maybe pay I'll pay our players. I'm not sure if that's worth it at this rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because if they do play that event, that will be there'll be four events before the first major, which is the U.S. Open, which is June 18th to the 21st at Wingfoot. The tournaments that would be coming after Colonial are the uh, the Rocket Mortgage up in Detroit. Then the following week is the Memorial. And then the RBC Canadian Open, and then the U.S. Open. So I think, obviously, the PGA is hoping they can get the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial in, because if not, you really if you cancel that one, let's say they canceled to June, the first event will then be the Memorial. So the guys would have would have been off for, I don't know, ten to twelve weeks, be able to play the Memorial, the RBC, and then the first major. So I think it ma it makes for an interesting scheduling dynamic. Is all right? Do we cancel? Through the U.S. Open, do we try to have like two events before that? Because I think right now, obviously, they're trying. If they can have the Charles Schwab, then the guys have at least four tournaments they can play to prep for the U.S. Open. I know all the pros are at home practicing right now, but you're not getting the same yeah. uh, intensity, all of that that's ready for the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, which is one of the U.S.'s you know most prized courses, historic courses. I think you want to put out your best field as well as the best competition you can put out so i think it makes for an interesting if they in my opinion if they if they do cancel the schwab then they have to cancel the rsm through the end of may and then in my eyes i, I would probably look at postponing the u.s open so that guys can get at least three or four tournaments in before going into your first major but well um it's going to be interesting I don't see how i honestly don't see how they're gonna be able to do the u.s open anyway i mean with where it's located Right. With, you know, I mean, this when, when you when you do a U.S. Open, I mean, even at these extremely prestigious clubs that have gobs and got like, you know, unlimited funds, mm -hmm. you're you know, you're you're putting your golf course out there. You're putting out um, your membership, essentially, by allowing this to take place on your golf course. Right. And what you're hoping to get back is a lot of revenue in different ways. And you're not mm -hmm. going to get that because you you can't have fans. Um, and there have been rumors floating around on Twitter that, and I don't, this is unfounded, but there have been rumors floating around on Twitter that the USGA reached out to Oakmont and asked Oakmont, like, Hey, if we need to go to emergency, you know, could you guys host? Um, because I guess Pittsburgh's mm. not as, right. you know, right, and right, right. Oakmont's not really in Pittsburgh anyway, but, um, so I just think it's so up in the air and I'm wondering if this like little internal memo that leaked is... I don't know. It is kind of, like I said, something where they're just trying to keep everybody on their toes as a just in case. And then right. who, who knows what's going to end up happening. So, yep, I agree. It's going to be, I, I think we'll know here pretty shortly because, you know, it's not like they can cancel it the week before. Cause like you True. said, the PGA is kind of operating on thin ice because whether they made the right decision or not for the players, uh, they were like the last people to cancel. And it was, kind of a back and forth scenario. So we'll see, we'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. I, I hope that golf's back then. I hope everybody's back to normal then. So as our, I know we've talked about it before. Our gentleman's cup at Pinehurst is, is right around that time too. We're kind of still waiting. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, 
I will bring up one other point. Um, actually, I, we weren't even going to talk about this, but I just saw some some news come through. I saw that they're trying to do a Phil versus Tiger second challenge sometime yes. around then at the end of May. They're going to incorporate a few other people. I saw Peyton Manning is going to maybe play with Tiger and Tom Brady's going to play with Phil. Quick thoughts on that. Let's give me, you know, a couple sentences on what you guys think about that. Cause I'll be honest, I, you know, obviously I thought the match last year was going to be awesome and it completely sucked. Um, so <laughs> any, any interest in that at all? I mean, some interest just because it's something we can watch. It's a sporting event or what, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Ben. I mean, at, at this, at this rate, I don't even know if it's going to be a success or if it's po- like plausible to try to have an event. Right. It's just, um, it's, it's, what the world maybe needs <laughs> just just something yeah. live and some hope right. I, I don't know i just if they're playing it's going to be very private and coverage is going to be mediocre unless they're drawing significant amount of like celebrity teammates or right. i i don't have uh, hope for a successful event right now so i i look at it the other way actually i not that i even really want to watch those two in particular like i would love it if it was tiger versus rory or something like that but um i just i think that they could it could be extremely successful right you're going to do this at a private course with minimal cameras and minimal microphones and minimal people following one group one foursome most likely on pay-per-view in a time when there's no sports like that could everybody in the world (laughs) oh my god the fee for that would be it would break records i'm it would shatter records if they did that so and it wouldn't put i wouldn't put it past phil that's for sure for like you know pushing for something like this i think i mean all these guys are still playing they're going to their private clubs they're they're still playing even if their state doesn't have golf they're still playing so you think um yeah you know, Wildcat's still open. You think we could push to to make the match oh. at Wildcat? 36-holer? 36, both, both yeah. Courses? Oh, yeah. I, I uh-huh. love it. I love it. That's awesome. You know, I'll reach out to, to Phil's people, see if we can set that up. <laughs> Covered by, by the breakfast ball, streamed by the breakfast ball. <laughs> we get media, media passes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, just another thing to, to think about. Hopefully that, you know, we find out some more information on that shortly. Uh, next, we were going to just a little bit of a, a fun uh, segment here. Jake reached out to the two of us, Vince and myself, uh, Monday, and wanted to talk about two, one to two players that we, you know, that came out on tour or had a lot of hype and ended up just fizzling out or didn't have the careers that a lot of people thought they were going to have at the beginning. Um, and so I actually found it very intriguing because I did some research and, and looked at a lot of people that I hadn't talked about in a long time or had never even knew who they were. Uh, so we're going to, what we're going to do here is each one of us is going to talk about the one to two players. We're going to give you know, a couple clues, talk about their career a little bit without naming their name to see if we can try and guess who it is. And, and those of you at home that are listening, you can, you can play along as well. And then uh, if we can, uh, great. If not, then the, uh, the host is going to give up the name of the player, and then uh, and we'll go from there. So first, uh, Jake, why don't you, this is your segment, so why don't you go ahead and start it? All right. Yeah, I'll start it off. So um, only only try to reveal one. We'll kind of go round robin so we okay. don't accidentally steal. Okay. All right. Okay. okay, here we go. Player number one, current age, 26 years old. Okay, current rank, 1,517 in the world. Oh, boy. Okay, their highest OWGR rank was 25th in the world in 2012. Here's some other interesting stuff. This is the youngest golfer to win on the European Tour, 17 years old. The best finish in a major, T13 in the 2009 U.S. Open as a 16-year-old. Three pro wins in their teenage years. Okay, their biggest mm-hmm. wins, the 20, uh, I didn't write down the date, unfortunately. The, well, one of them is the Singapore Open, and the other one is the 2013 BMW PGA. So that's like the one of the crown jewel events of the European Tour. Um, and then after 2013, things start to shift a little bit. So 2014, one top 10 in uh, their starts. 2015, 
only made six cuts in 22 starts. Then in 2016, this player pops back up on leaderboards briefly, um, initially at um, the U.S. Open at Oakmont for like a little bit, and then sort of like falls off the pace and ends up finishing T46. But it was like the first time in a while that you had even heard this player's name. Uh, do you guys have any idea who this could potentially be? Is it? Oh, wow. Okay, go ahead, Benny. Fire it off. He's an Italian, I believe. He is an Italian, yeah. It's Mr. Manicero. Yes, Matteo Manicero. I wrote down in my notes wow. here, can't miss kid who just couldn't hit it far enough. Do you guys? What do you guys remember about this guy, if anything at all? I, I remember his like introductory years. Specifically, yeah. I was doing research on another player, and when you said he was the first, the youngest European Tour winner, which I think he uh, was compared to someone who is supposed to rival the GOAT, Mr. Tiger Woods, from a, okay, different, okay. From a different European country, um, there was a lot of similarities between the two of them in their youth. Um, mm-hmm. I, won't I know where that, you're going. I, I, won't, give I won't give it away either. Yeah. So, I do wow. know. Doug, you, you remember anything about Madison? I don't even, I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> oh, my God. I know, I know the name. I know the name, but I never knew he got up to like 26th in the world or whatever you said. Yeah. Uh, definitely didn't know he was the youngest youngest winner on the Euro Tour. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, is he so still like, playing? He is still playing, still a pro. He made some starts last year, missed every cut. I think he made six starts and missed six cuts. All Euro. All Euro. Okay. The I didn't find. I like tried to Google like stuff about injuries. Didn't find anything about injuries. Tried wow. to find stuff. I was like, well, what's you know, like, is there some family stuff? <clears throat> no family stuff. He did try to make some swing changes to try to chase some distance, uh, which we've seen how that's gone with players like, you know, Luke Donald is probably one of the most famous uh, examples. But um, I actually remember, and I tried to pick players from like when I was, you know, mostly watching golf, not just ones that like I remember from when I was like a kid or when my uncle was mm-hmm. watching golf or something like that. And uh, the thing I remember about Manicero was everybody compared him to Rory too. So there was a lot of like, Oh, you know, this kid and Rory, once they kind of get, you know, right. um, more starts under their belt, they're going to be unstoppable. He was a great links player. He played, um, you know, well in a lot of like Scottish and, uh, opens and things like that. Uh, but yeah, just really didn't have the pop. Uh, I looked at some of his driving distance numbers and he was like a, just above, you know, or just, just below average uh, distance guy. And so, yeah, I think he just, frankly, just got lapped, right? Like guys started hitting it further and further, and that became kind of the precedent for how young players came out. And, mm-hmm. yeah, he just couldn't couldn't keep up. But I do remember people being like, this guy's the next guy. And I think it's crazy. He's still only 26 years old. Like legitimately, he's not even in what most golfers would consider their prime. Yeah. Right. And he wow. fizzled out so, already. Yeah, and, and that doesn't mean that you won't see... I mean, obviously, this is a guy with extreme skill, had a great amateur career, and, and had some success on the Euro Tour. And, like, he showed up on American leaderboards from time to time, but he was so young. I think he was playing a lot of golf close to home. Um, and that doesn't mean that you won't see him again, but it's just one of the... He'll be like a guy where, like, he'll qualify for uh, British Open somehow, and then he'll be, like, top 10 on a Saturday, and you haven't heard his name in, you know, 10 years. I could see that. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. The Manicero. Manicero. Awesome. All right, Vinny, you're up. All right. Uh, This is is somebody, I think, who hasn't performed up to uh, his, either his standards and the standards, you know, put upon him when he was entering the professional scene. Uh, You know, (laughs) (laughs) joined the PGA Tour in 99. Um, Oh, okay. He's currently ranked... In the top 40 in the world. Um, Whoa. The European man. That's all I'll give you right there. Uh, he's just kind of touted for having a, uh, a temper. <laughs> um, what else? He's got 34 wins. I think 30 of them are on professional tours. Um, he's a member of, uh, you know, all the match play formats. Um so like Ryder Cup and stuff, you mean? Absolutely, yeah, Ryder Cup okay. teams. Uh huh. Uh huh. What else? Let's see what else to say about him. 
you know, when he was entering PJ Tour in 99, early 2000s, I think he was going to be the, you know, the 10-year competitor, 15-year competitor to uh, the one and only Mr. Woods. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So I'm Doug, you got you to guess? I got to guess. Uh, it, I know it's Sergio, but it I, oh. I can... <laughs> I completely, uh, I completely agree with your pick there. I think that you know, obviously, he won the Masters, but uh, I think that he he was one of those guys that came out that had a lot of hype, whether it was self-made or just from from all the publicity out there, and uh, has has not. I wouldn't say he's had a bad career, but he just hasn't lived up to the hype that he had. Yeah, I think the 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 biggest word to use for him in his career was expectations, and then because of those expectations, everybody put on him. He's been super hard on himself, and you kind of see it out there when things aren't going right. He is a fucking angry, angry elf. Good God. Oh, yeah. He destroys courses, slings clubs, takes angry huge elf. hacks, hacks and bunkers. I, I think that that's just all weighing on him still, and it's just it's one of those things. He, he's he got one of my favorite swings on tour. He can play. but uh, oh, Yeah, he can absolutely strike the ball. I mean, I... I don't know if you guys remember this. This is a good pick, by the way. I thought you were going to go more obscure than this. And I, I'm glad that you didn't because it just shows you like different ways that you could kind of look at this question. Like I remember, I want to say it was when he lost to um, Podrick Harrington in the playoff. I guess that was for the PGA. And like in the press conference after all he could talk about was like how you know fate w- wouldn't let him win, and I think he took like I he I know he did. He took like time away from the game, like just stepped away, didn't play um, because he mentally couldn't get himself to like feel like he could win, which is crazy for a guy that was um, you know so talented. But yeah, hype hype will do that to you. It'll put pressure on you. Yeah, my second pick when we when we cycle back through, my second pick is pretty. Pretty wild. I think okay. it's wild. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for wild. Wild should be cool. Yeah, but that's a really good pick. I, I like that one. Yeah, for sure. Dougie? Okay, so um, I went a little bit of a d- different route here. Oh, so, boy. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll go with the first one. I was going to do a backwards order, but I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i go with this one first. So my golfer was born in 1955. Jesus, Okay. Uh, he spent 331 weeks as the number one golfer in the world. Now, remember, this is back in the 80s, 90s. Field was I, not I already as know good. Where this is. I already got it. Well, he's won 88 times. Yeah. 20 times on the PGA Tour, but only won two majors and was no, and they were both the Open and was known for the guy who just couldn't get it done in the U.S. He's been very successful with his brand and whatnot. <laughs> Now that he's done with golf, do we know who it is, Jake? Sounds like you do. Yeah, he's an Australian. He's blonde-haired. His name's Greg Norman. <laughs> Actually, his name is The Shark, but I will give you Greg Norman. <laughs> okay. As, as soon as you said his clothing brand, I knew who it was. No. It, when he, you know what? He said the world ranking. He spent 300-whatever days at yeah. world number one, and I knew that only the only person who, had, who was um, – in that range was him and tiger. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know much about. Yeah. Sure. Tell us, tell us some more. Uh, so why, why, I didn't know much about him either. So he'd want, he, I, I mean, obviously I knew he had a great career and I know that he lost on the 18th hole in a chip in on the, in the masters. I chipped in on him. It was in the, on the 10th hole against Larry Mize. Uh, well that was in a playoff. So I guess he oh, had also okay. lost. Yeah. A year or two before that, or a year or two after that, somebody chipped in on him on the 18th hole. Uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, he lost to uh, Nicholas in 86 when he like farted a, an iron out to the right of 18, yep. too. He should have won that right. one. Right. Uh, he also had a three-shot lead at Shen- Shinnecock uh, in the 1986 U.S. Open. Ended up shooting 75 in the final round. Yikes. Lost Sunday that scaries. one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so had an incredible career, like you said, uh, won the PGA tour money list four times, uh, finished second at the masters four, three times, finished second at the PGA twice, finished second at the U S open twice. So had a lot of near, near misses. Um, yeah, lost in a playoff at the masters. Larry Mize chipped in on him. Brutal way to go out. Um, 
but just was always known for the guy who couldn't get it done in the U.S. He won 90 times in his professional career, but uh, 60 of those were in the on the European tour or J- Japanese tour, Asian tour. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, his last win was in August of 1997. He won the NEC World Series of Golf. Well, anybody want to guess who finished second to him? Is this going to be a Tiger thing? In 97, it is not Tiger. No, I don't know who. Phil. Really? Phil. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Phil finished four shots behind him in 97. Uh, but he had some really cool wins. I mean, he beat Jack Nicholas a couple times, uh, beat Payne Stewart, all Azinger, Faldo. So, I mean, he beat a lot of really good competition. He just couldn't get it done in a major in the U.S. Uh, so, you know, whether or not he was a guy who didn't live up to the hype, I think he, he probably did, but uh, just wasn't able to, you know, put himself in what I would say is a top echelon, or you would say like Palmer, Nicholas, and Woods are currently. Um, right. But uh, yeah, that's that's one of my first. Uh, Jake, we'll move it back over to you for your second pick. Yeah, I, I got to comment on on Norman for a minute because okay. this is actually one of the players that like I remember. I, I brought up my uncle before watching a lot of golf, but he was all, always like the shark, and I know for a fact because I've watched a lot of like videos over the years, a freakish driver of the golf ball, like an absolute just swing as hard as you can, thrasher, yep. and just melted it. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but I remember he showed up on the um, the leaderboard in the 08 Open at Birkdale. I don't know if you guys remember, he was like in the mix on Sunday and people were like, oh, this is this is what's going to happen. He's going to like crop back up and win a major late in his career and everybody's going to like celebrate. It was like pre the year before Tom Watson made his run. Uh, Norman made his run. So that was always yep. I always thought that was really cool. Yeah, he finished T3rd in 08. Yeah. Yeah, he he was like in it the whole way too, if I remember correctly. Um, all right, so my second one, I'll first of all say this one's a little outside of the box, and I'm going to give you guys one like big hint before I start describing things. This is a female. Oh. So this is an LPGA or of it. Okay. Currently age 31, so smack in the middle of their prime. Uh, current. OWGR for the women, 738 in the world. This player was ranked number one for 109 consecutive weeks from 2011 through 2013. 27 uh, pro wins worldwide. Five majors, and I'm not even going to write down the top tens in other majors, but five majors from 08 to 2011. Won three of their first five starts in 2012. Did not win after those three wins in 2012. Okay. Hasn't finished higher than T13 in any major since 2012. And has missed the majority of cuts in majors post-2012. There has not... This person also has had no injury history at all. um, And still plays and maintains a card here and there. Do we have any idea who this is? I'll give you another hint because uh, again we're doing LPGA, which is they, it's I, not Lorena Ochoa. So okay, don't, that, right? Yeah. Is it? Uh, are they an American, an Asian? Can I ask this? Or is yes, it? they are. Uh, they are an Asian. Okay. Wow. This is a tough. This was like this was a player where people thought that she could maybe even play with the men in some events. Long, like freakish long for a female at the time. Any guesses? I do not know. Do you guys remember Yanni Sen? Oh, wow. Yeah, Yanni. Yeah. I do not. You don't remember? <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. So I wrote this one down because I remember that she was like absolutely dominant for a period of time. Like dominant in ways where she would like bludgeon fields. And when I was going through and like thinking about what I was going to write down or like who I was going to pick, I was like, well, what the hell even happened? I just like, I don't watch a ton of female, like women's golf. So like, I guess I never realized that she just wasn't there anymore. And so when I started doing some research, I was like, holy shit, she's not even in like the top 200. 
738 in the world, no major injuries, you know, lives in Lake Nona, still plays, does all these things, and hasn't, like, sniffed a win since 2012. Pretty. I thought she had retired. <laughs> yeah, so did I. And once I was, like, a 738 in the world, maybe she's just, like, not playing. No, she's still playing. Wow. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, Yanni Sen. Freak. That's crazy. All right. I knew that one was going to be really tough, but I had that to. Is a, that's a good one. It's very interesting. Like uh, I didn't pick this person and made this could be Doug second. I was very interested in reading about Michelle Wee's downfall. Uh, uh-huh. I, I think that she was another Sergio kind of with the expectations out yeah, the ass. for sure. And, and just didn't perform. And But sorry, Doug, if that's your second one. It's not mine. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I put together a list of like honorable mentions that were like more obvious ones that I didn't want to bring up. And she was on my... Uh, my honorable mentions list. I have so. I have a third, but we'll just throw names out there at the end. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with your second, Vince. All right. This dude is, I believe, 50 years old or 49 now. <laughs> I, I believe. Some research. I wasn't thinking of players' ages, obviously. When this, the, the time right. this player played was from like 84 to... 2007 was his last event. All right. But okay, all right. Uh, he has a major title in 91. Um, uh-huh. He's got six top tens at different majors, including, uh, you know, the Open, the Masters, uh, uh-huh. et cetera. And he's missed, he missed 32 consecutive cuts before giving up the game. All right. Holy hell. So after he won his, after he won his major, he missed 32 cuts from 94 to 97. And now you listen to him all the time. His voice is very memorable. Um, you know, he's still part of the PGA. Oh, I know this one. And he was touted to be a very good competitor for that time. You know, he was making like more than 50% of cuts. And Ball striker, too. Like a and, premier ball striker. And he may have been from the land down under. Yeah. Do you know it, Doug? I have no idea who this is. It's it's Ian Baker Finch. Correct. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, he, he won the 91 British, and then he missed 32 <clears throat> cuts. Yeah, 32 dude, cuts. One of the biggest mysteries in the game right there. The, guy, like, the guy's game just left him. Like, yeah. literally just left him. Which I... That's great. I, I was like, I read it. I was wow. like, there's no way we listen to this guy every weekend. And it's like, he's got some. he's got a ton of knowledge, and he's like... But where did he come from? You didn't even know that he had such a career over a short period of time and then just literally lost his hands. I heard someone one time say that he I and I don't know what year this is. So like but I heard like um, or read something or heard someone talking about Ian Baker Finch one time where someone said that it was like a heartbreaking thing to see this guy who was a pro play like he was a five like and he had exemptions because he won a major. But he's out there like chucking up like eighties and stuff. Yeah. yeah. He so after ninety seven, he he looks like he played three more events, missed all three cuts, shot eighty five or higher in all three. Like he would shoot like seventy eight, eighty six, mm-hmm. and you know shoot fifteen over, miss a cut every time. And then he and then you know he's in the broadcast booth now, so. What yeah, that's it's amazing. That's a great Incredible. poll, dude. That's yeah. a really good one. Yeah, they, that tat- is nice. they touted him to be, you know, like Adam Scott was the very similar players. He was tall. He was like six five, right? Yeah, striper. I know that. I've seen yeah. it. I've seen some videos of him hitting it when he was at his prime. Which is wild. Nice work, man. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Work. That's really good. Douglas. All right, well, my second one was going to be Michelle Wee, but. <laughs> Being the consummate professional that I am, I had a backup ready to go if I needed to. So my third pick is what some people would say in his prime. He's 31 years old. Mm -hmm. He is currently right around 100 in the FedEx Cup rankings. I know they've only played like six events because of Corona. He has played... On tour since 2009, is 202, 242 events played, 
but has only won five times. He has made $38 million in his career. He has been around the top of the leaderboard a lot, but has never won a major. Hmm. He's 31. He is 31 years old. Turn pro in 2009. He played college golf for one year before turning pro. He has made the FedEx Cup, the Tour Championship, one, two, three, four, five, five out of the last six years. Hmm. Okay, that changed my guess. Is it and missed it? And missed it in 2016 by one spot. Is it? I think Jason Duffner. Wow, Duffner is a good guess, but it is not Jason Duffner because Duffner oh. has a major. Ah, okay. okay. All right. All right. Is it? Um, is it Billy Horschel? It is not Billy Horschel. Ooh, okay. This guy has never because fin- Horschel won the Tour Championship, didn't he? Yeah, I was just I going with money, did. and you're right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, no. Yeah. This guy is a cut machine. He has uh, a cut machine. Okay. He has only missed 49 cuts in 242 events he's played. He uh, has the highest he's finished in the Tour Championship was fourth back in 2015. He finished 19th last year. He has played on a few Ryder Cup teams and a few Presidents Cup teams. What? Okay, I got it. You got it. You can bring it up. I have no idea who this could be. So I could have made it a lot easier if I had told you that he has won a Players Championship. This player is Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler. Yeah, Mm. that's low hanging fruit. All right, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Ricky's wow. career is like do or bust yet. Uh, I'm not sure. No, but it, it's a good thing to bring up because there was. It's just like your Sergio thing in some ways. It's just a lot of hype. But go, go ahead, Doug. I'm interested in in a little bit more of why you went that direction. <laughs> so, so I I only went this direction because he back in 2014, I believe, is the year he finished runner up in all four majors. Yeah, uh, or in the top five, uh, had a incredible year. Uh, and then went on to win twice in 2015, and people were like, "All right, he's, he's he's ready to go now." And then he had a very disappointing year in 2016 for his standards. He didn't make the tour championship, uh, and then got it going again in 2017. He won again. He had two seconds. He had two thirds, ten top tens, finished seventh in the FedEx Cup. But it's like every year or every other year, he has a down year, and then he has a great year, and then he has a down year. He hasn't been able to stay consistent. I realize it's very, very tough out there because there's a lot of really, really good players, and in all respects, he's like I said, he's made almost forty million dollars on tour. He's had a very good career, but yeah, he's just not lived up to that that kind of that generation that came out. Right? It was him. It was JT. It was Brooks. Now it was Bryson's a little bit younger, but it was all those guys kind of in the you know three to four year range that are all kind of similar age. Jordan Spieth and Jordan Spieth, JT Brooks. Those guys have all won majors now. Bryson has won, you know, around the world. He hasn't won a major yet, but he's got he's getting closer. He's a little bit younger again, Wait, but well, he also won five times in a year. Right. So right. Um, so I just think that compared to his constituents that are all of the similar age and are out there on tour playing what I would consider is as higher golf level right now, Ricky has kind of been uh, a little bit of a not so much a bust, but just been very overhyped. Um, compared to when he came out on tour, you know, in, in uh, year four or five, when he was right around the leaderboard in all majors. And then since then, it's kind of fizzled off and not, not played as well as, as he could have. True. Nice. I thought you were, were going to lean speed with, I know, please, I know he's won a masters, but that guy has been pretty bad the last 18 months. True. He's won, he's won three majors though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. I, I agree. He's won majors, but I mean, Listen, He's just been looking at Brooks yeah. right now. People are going to be like, if he doesn't do something in the next year or two, uh, they're going to say, what happened? Yeah, but but the question really is like, it, it all it's all about how we value a player, right? Like, there are plenty of players that have like 15 wins in one major that are quote unquote Hall of Famers that are like legends of the game or whatever you want to call them. So, a guy like Brooks with his majors or Spieth with his majors, I don't. If their career ended, it would be disappointing. But overall, their career would be probably considered fairly successful if you think about it. So, oh yeah, it's, that, I, it's I, really it's tough to look at it. You know? I do not think that Ricky is in any way, shape, or form disappointed in having a career similar to 
Charles Howe the third, right? Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, but I, I, I don't think that he's going to hate that. No, you're right, but I'm sure it eats away at him a little bit. That a lot of it, like Doug said, a lot of his constituents, his peers, however you want to think about it, they they've had other success. And like for example, I actually thought that there was a chance that Ricky would play really well at this year's Masters. He tends to play well in even years. He like almost snuck up and won in 2018. And, you know, it's just like, could he win one? Yeah. Will he win one? Probably not. He's just not a great closer. That's all. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I just brought it up because it's more of a, he's one that you can argue either way, I believe. Uh, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, and so that's why I wanted to bring, you know, an older guy in there and, and somebody that's kind of still still what I would consider in their prime now that, mm-hmm. you know, golfers are really thriving from about 29 to 35. So, We'll see what happens. I agree. I, I at this point, I don't think, and I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago that I don't think he he gets it done anymore. I think about five years ago, if you had asked me, I would have said yes, no doubt he wins at least one major. Like you said, Vince, like Duffner. I mean, Duffner popped up. Jimmy Walker, they all popped up and won one. Jimmy Walker. That's probably the only, <laughs> the only, <laughs> only major those guys will ever win. But you know, hopefully, hopefully Ricky does win one. But it, as time goes on you put more and more pressure on yourself and it's for sure it gets a lot tougher. So we will, we will see what happens there. Um, I'm going to go ahead though and say, I also had John Daly on the list and Ooh, I also I had have. Colin Montgomery on the list. Um, okay. So what, uh, what else were you guys looking at? I know Jake, you did some research and you mentioned Hunter Mayhan to us in a text earlier. Yeah. I, I like that you brought up Daly cause I feel like he's the opposite of what we're talking about. He's like a guy that just like blips onto the radar and like wins two majors in his life with you know no consistency for obviously a bunch of different reasons like Padraig I think he just out like Padraig has three and he just outworked everybody in those years when Tiger two was years. gone yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like and then he, of course he tinkered too much and lost his game so it's like one of those things um yeah my list quick I had uh, David Duvall I thought was like the big glaring one you know, yeah, but he was one. number one for a long time, right? Yeah, I mean, he was, but like his success isn't massive. Right, um, right, 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 right. What is it, two majors or whatever? Yep. Um, you know, the obvious one, which was AK. I, I we put out a, a moratorium, no AK for this pod today, but I put mm-hmm. him on my honorable mentions. Uh, Camilo Vijegas, I had on my honorable mentions. You know, we started. Him to, he started to pop back up though on leaderboards here the last yeah. year or two. Yeah, yeah, it'd be cool to see him even because I still I think he's long enough and can still play. So that'd be cool to see him, you know, show up on some more leaderboards. Mm-hmm. And then I had one that I thought was like a can't miss kid. Like uh, people talked about him like kind of a world beater. Uh, Peter Uline um, really yeah. done nothing yeah. uh, with his career overall. So those were my couple that I had my handful. Yep. Any who else were you looking at? Anybody? I had Mr. Daly, too. And I had Jimmy Walker on here. So we've already discussed our dislike for Mr. Walker. Uh, and I don't Daly, dislike Daly him. Sounds like Jake does, but I don't dislike we, him. I just know. think he's the worst, the worst major winner of the decade. That's I all. agree. Yeah, <laughs> we have a buddy who got hit by one of his tee balls. And, and, <laughs> yeah, Tom. <laughs> and uh, during a practice round, what the Masters? What was it? Yeah, in the Masters. Yeah, uh, last year or two years ago. Two years ago. That's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. And uh, he just apparently was not very nice to the the crowd that he just hit into. And did it twice, apparently. So, wow. Short story time. Yeah. That, that's all I had. Yeah, really. I, I had Michelle Weaver on here, Sergio Baker Finch, Daly, and uh, Jimmy Walker. But I really didn't want to talk about Jimmy. There's not enough substance there. Yeah, true. Okay. Well, good. Um, well, that was a fun exercise. We'll try to figure yeah. out something else we can do next week to discuss and, and, and argue about. Um so I think lastly, we're going to close with just kind of what we've been doing in golf because we've actually had some beautiful weather here in Houston. It's supposed to rain starting tomorrow for like the next five or six days, but it's been like 70 to 80 degrees, been a little windy, but uh, nothing we're not used to here in Houston. And we're very happy to be able to play golf. Uh, my dad's golf course podcast is still open to the public. If you're in Houston, go ahead and play. Um but uh, Vince, let's talk a little bit about you, brother. You've been striping the golf ball. The sim has completely changed the game, giving you a little confidence. The trust. You got a new putter cover for that. Uh, what's been going right? I mean, geez, dude, what's going on? You're a six. What are you six six handicap now? Are you more less six, now? Six two. Woo! As of this morning. Six point two. And yeah, damn, no, bro. Game, things are going well. I mean, it's helping that we're playing 
you know, two or three times a week right now because we're all out of I've work. Been, I've been working. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we've been going out in the afternoons, you know, get up in the morning, work, go out and play at three, four. Um, I'm confident off the tee. I like playing golf in warmer weather. I tend to get play better when I'm out there every day, every other day swinging. Um, you know, if we get stuck with a few weeks off, you can guarantee a bad round out of me, but that's about it. I, I just, I feel good out there right now. I didn't putt well yesterday and ended up shooting an 81 and uh, I don't know. Other than that, four of my last six rounds have been in the seventies. So I'm happy with where it's trending. I hope that it's going to stay that way leading up to, to Pinehurst as long as that trip stays on. Right. And that's the plan, man. Just, I like this time of year. Awesome, dude. Jakey, what are you, what have you been up to? I, I think you've been playing, but you've been having to go down to like Delaware or like going yeah. out to Bermuda. I don't know where you're going to play, but somewhere. Yeah, I might I might try to go to Bermuda. Um, well, I played, yeah, I played a couple times over the last two weeks, you know, just trying to find states that still have golf up here in this area and went to Delaware. Um, last week played Odessa National, which I'd never even heard of. And honestly, looking at their website, thought it was going to be just like kind of crappy. It was actually sick. Really cool course. Uh, played from like way back on the plates, basically. And uh, yeah, play good. Play good. Shot 79 with 38 putts because apparently I have no idea how to putt at this point in my life. And um, yeah, now everything is shut, though. So this is probably the end of me being able to golf for a while. No golf in Jersey. Um no golf in PA, no golf in Delaware. Delaware, you can't even go into the state right now. Like, they literally are going to pull you over if you have an out-of-state tag and uh, go from there. Oh, Maryland, man. shut down. Virginia, obviously, I think they're shut down to like, June 10th because I looked all the way to Virginia, like a five-hour drive to go play. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty much stuck. Pretty much stuck so your in the next backyard r- with, the, with the net. Your next round will be the Gentleman's Cup, hopefully. Uh, that might not be the best scenario, but it's starting to right. look like that's going to be the scenario. So yeah, at, le- at least we're going to get one or two practice rounds in down there, not at Pinehurst, but, uh, you for know, sure. in the area for sure. So yeah, keep my fingers crossed that, uh, things start to peter off before then. And we can make that trip happen. Love it. Love it. Uh, well, I have also been playing some golf. I've, I played on Monday in the skins game for a bunch of guys that are playing at A&M, Texas A&M and U of H, as well as a few of the local pros here in Houston. And those guys are much better than I am, but I held my own played from the tips and I shot 73 or 74. And then I played with the tips yesterday with Patty as well. We played with Vince and everybody, they played his tee up. But I shot 73 there. I have been struggling off the tee, but I've been making some putts and hitting some, as always, I'm a, I'm a ball striker, Sergio Garcia, with my irons. So I've been doing okay as long as I find some sort of, sort of ground and not don't hit in the water or the bushes. But uh, need to figure that out. I may just be hitting three wood for the next six months, but uh, that's okay. Um, but yeah, happy to be playing here in Houston. Hopefully this, this rain passes the next couple of days. And uh, Vincent, I'll try to get some, some more content out next week because I know a lot of you guys are just in the house and, and doing nothing, hitting off the mat in the backyard like Jake is. So we will try to... To do our best there. The last thing I wanted to talk about was Jake thought you did a great episode last week with Chris. Sorry that Vince and I couldn't get on the on the pod with you, but uh, just wanted to hear what your thoughts were with him. I thought uh, you know he did a great job of explaining uh, his views around you know t- whether it's teaching adults like ourselves, although I'm not sure I'm an adult, but people of our age <laughs> as well as uh, kids and, and just the different mentality he has there, as well as. You know, I think it's very tough to work with people that have different swings and not teach the swing that you want them to have, but let them work with that. So what, what, what did you think about the, the interview itself? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was, you know, really, it, it did a good job of showing off Chris's character. If you guys haven't um, listened to the interview, go back to last episode and check it out because he, he's, he's just a chill guy. But I think, I think the thing that's cool and the thing that came through in the interview is different people like different styles of teaching. And um, yeah. You know, for me, I haven't taken many lessons in my life uh, for golf, and I know that, like, last year, I wanted to really start making an effort, and I took a lesson from somebody who was a great teacher, but it just wasn't my style, right? It was, like, very, we were talking about, like, position two, and we were talking about, like, you know, my hips being at 45 degrees, and, like, I felt like I needed a protractor to figure out, like, what I was actually doing, <laughs> right. and, and that was really, really 
it was really tough because it did help my swing. It did help me get better, but I found myself like just thinking about stuff a lot. And, uh, you know, when I started just like deciding that I wanted to work with somebody else, one of the first lessons that Chris and I had, it was just like, we're not going to change this aspect of your swing. We're just going to kind of work around it. And I think he did a good job of talking about why he does that. That was to me, one of the most interesting things was him sort of looking at it and saying, you know, we got to train different aspects for different people and that's how you get success. And, you know, that, that's really, um, what I think everybody wants, right? They want someone to take whatever their weakness is and make it, um, a little bit stronger, but take the strengths that they have and reinforce those, make those strengths really great because those are the things you're already naturally good at. Um, so why not make you even better at those things? And I think that comes through, uh, in our interview with Chris. So, Awesome, dude. Well, yeah. Thanks again for doing that uh, and getting that out yeah, last no week. We will we will be we will be back next week uh, again, hopefully with all three of us in the booth and uh, talking some more golf, as well as maybe throwing in a few other other questions and, and scenarios that we want to talk through. We appreciate uh, everybody's love and uh, our viewership has been going up and up every week. So we really appreciate you guys listening in to us, whether. Uh, you like what we're saying or not, please, you know, leave us some feedback, hit us on the DMS. If you want us to incorporate some other things, we'd be happy to, to talk to you about that. Uh, and as always, when you, when you listen to our podcast on whether it's Apple or Spotify, please leave us uh, a five-star rating as well as words in the comment box. Cause that helps move us up the algorithm with the podcast itself. With that, Vinny, if you could break us down and take us home, please. Oof. I really want to wish everybody a uh, you know a safe stay at home and around their t- around their towns and cities. Uh, it's getting tough, I know. Um, if you have the opportunity and are lucky enough to get out there and play some golf, just enjoy it. Um, maybe you don't have your standard group, whatnot. But if you really miss off the first tee, don't forget to hit your breakfast ball. Thanks again and stay safe.